Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from June 14th by Pastor Randy titled, The If and When Versus the Here and Now. Here's what I've come to understand over years of living and being a pastor is that it's so easy, so easy, so very easy for us to think that we're better than the homeless, better than the addict, uh, better than the convict, uh, better than the person that's been divorced seven or eight times. But the truth is, we're all in the same boat. The truth is, every single one of us are a few decisions away from total disaster. Because here's what we all experience. We all experience the pull away from what's good and right toward what's hurtful and what's bad for us. How many of you have given into temptation, experienced the consequences of that, and the consequences weren't good, and you said, oh, that hurts. I never want to do that again. And then a few hours later, a few days later, a few weeks later, you do the same thing over again. Why is that? Why is that? Why is it that we can know something is a lie? Why is it that we can, we can know it's a lie to believe that if I just get that job, if I can just have that relationship, if I just move to that city, if I, if I just have this happen to me, everything will be okay. And we know that's a lie. But some people will buy into that lie and live by that lie, not just for days and weeks. For some people, their entire life, they will live their life based on the lie that if they can just get something else, like the prodigal son, if I can just get to the far country, everything will be okay. Why is that? And here's another question for you. Why did the prodigal son leave home to begin with? He had a loving father. He had a home where he belonged. He, he had a, a future for him already set. If I were to say to you here, you can have a loving father, because some of you, you didn't have a loving father. But if you say, hey, you can have a loving father. You can have a home where you belong. You can have a future that's set for you. Any takers? Sure, we'd all want some of that. But that's what he left. Why is that? That's what we're going to look at. Is we're going to be talking about temptation for the next couple of weeks. But let me ask you another question. Do you ever get tired of the spin that we see in, in politics or in news programs and things like that? The spin's everywhere. Everybody's trying to, to package things and make it sound better or, or to take this and make it sound like it's saying that. Everybody's trying to give you spin everywhere. Now, our whole culture is built on trying to repackage things to make them sound better. Like they can't say you're fired anymore. That's too harsh. And they can't say downsizing, that's too negative. So now we're right-sizing everything. You know, now's all the right size. And, and you don't go buy a used car anymore. Now it's a pre-owned certified vehicle. Somebody pre-owned it for you. They broke it in for you. You know, it's not roadkill. It's maladaptive compressed life forms. <laughs> or... If you're from Tennessee or some parts of Kentucky, it's dinner, right? I don't know. And now your pastor, your pastor is not bald. Don't call me bald. That can be too offensive. Call me comb-free. Doesn't that sound much better? But that's what we do. But don't you wish, 
that people would just lay it out there the way it is. Don't airbrush it for me. Don't try to make it sound better. Don't edit it. Just give me the way it is. I can handle it. Just tell me the truth and tell me the way it is. Well, that's what James does when it comes to temptation. He doesn't airbrush. He doesn't cover up. He, he, he just comes to here. Here's the truth. Here's the way it is. So are you guys ready to hear what James says about temptation? Ready to hear the truth about things? The appropriate answer is yes! Okay, well, okay, three of you are, but anyway, that's good. <laughs> All right, so here's what James says. James chapter 1, verse 16. I didn't, there it goes. All right, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, this is in the context of James talking about temptation. And so the first thing he says is don't be deceived because it's real easy for us to deceive ourselves where temptation is concerned. And to be deceived where temptation is concerned. The first way that we deceive ourselves where it comes to temptation is we want to blame somebody else. We want to say that's somebody else's fault. Here's what else James says in verse 13. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. See, it's real easier for us to do just what happened in the Garden of Eden, to, to, to get tempted, to give in to temptation, and to go blame, to blame God, to blame others, to blame our parents, to blame our boss. But see, the thing about James is that he doesn't do with that passing the blame on very well. So here's what he says. Verse 14, But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. See, James is not big on passing the buck. He's not big on playing the victim card. He says when you get tempted, you can't point your finger at above to God and say it's his fault or your boss's fault or your parents' fault. you got to look inside. It's your own fault. It's because that evil desire is going on inside of you. That's where the fault lies. The second way we deceive ourselves, and this is not in the text that James gives, but it's implied in the text is that we fall for the allure of temptation. See, there's an allure to sin. Oh, this is going to feel good. This is going to be great. There's an allure to sin. It's like we said many times before. Sin is fun. And if you're not having fun, you're probably not doing it right. Sin is fun for a while. But that bait that looks so good has a hook in it, and that doesn't work out so well, does it? Here's what we read in Proverbs. Don't gaze at wine because it is red, because it gleams in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and stings like a viper. It's like the alcohol ads. They don't show the broken homes. They don't show the car wrecked beside the road. But what's implied in this text is that sin does have an lure for a while, but then, then comes the hook, and the hook always hurts. The hook always costs. The other way that we deceive ourselves is to is to say that we can handle the consequences i can handle the consequences or this is what teenagers will say to their parents you're just overreacting that's their way of saying i can handle this i can handle the consequences i'm doing okay but here's what james says then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and when sin is fully grown it gives birth to death James is saying that, yeah, that temptation, it's like a little seed that comes into your life. Uh, think of it this way. Temp whenever time and opportunity mate with temptation, they always produce a sin baby. And when that sin baby grows up, it produces death. 
Do you think you can handle the consequences? Sure, it looks real easy to handle the consequences when it's so small, it looks so manageable down here. But give it enough time. What, what that's going to do is going to grow up and grow bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's going to produce death. And it never happens overnight. Collapses don't happen overnight. Very rarely will collapse happen overnight. It's that husband who way back here says, well, I don't think my wife's meeting my needs and she's valued that much or values me that much. And it just begins with those thoughts. But pretty soon he has those thoughts and what happens? They grow, they take over, and they come all the way down this and it leads to him leaving his home, leaving his wife, and a family is destroyed. What you have to do is, is you have to back up and get the big picture. See the whole thing from beginning to end. See the consequences. That's what James meant when a few verses earlier before this, he says, ask God for wisdom. Ask God the wisdom to give you the big picture to see what's going on. It's sort of like this when you want to go out on a vacation and you looking at hotels to stay at, and you look at this hotel online, and it shows this picture of this pool with lemon slices and flowers floating in it, and it shows this room with this nice view, and you get to the, you get to the hotel, and, and you pass by that pool, and it's this little rusted tank about the size of a jacuzzi. And you get to your room, and you open up the window in your room, and there's a junkyard right out there. And the first thing you think is, I want a camera like that that can take those pictures that, that makes something small look so big. And the second thing you think of, that's great photo cropping. And that's exactly what sin wants to do, is to photo crop the consequences out. So all you see is the allure, all you see is the beginning, you think you can handle it, and he photo crops out the end result. He photo crops out the death that's to come. And that's what James says, death will come. It gives birth to death. That's what death is going to come. Death. God says, he will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Do you realize that the first doctrine denied in the Bible was God's judgment on sin? You won't die if you eat that. It brings about death. 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 What do you mean by death? Well, it's not physical death or we'd all be dead. Nobody would be alive. It's not spiritual death or no one could be saved. It's the death of the life of God within us. Ask Samson. Ask David. Ask Solomon. Ask the person next to you. They'll tell you about it. You know, so many times when we have people in a prayer time or come give testimonies and things like that, it's about what good things God is doing in their life. And, 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 and give testimony of how, you know, trusting God and, and, and what's happening in life. But sometimes we ought to give the, I got tricked by the devil and this is what happened to me testimonies. This is what it cost me. This is the death that it produced in me. The other way that we deceive ourselves is... Is that uh, we believe that the lie that I couldn't help it. I gave in temptation. I just couldn't help myself. Now that's a lie for two reasons. Number one, God says in His Word that, that we'll never have a temptation that's more than we can bear. Second of all, it goes against our nature. God has made us new. Here's what James says. Somewhere here's what James says. 
Technical difficulty. All right. Can you manually do this for me? Oh, there we go. Now we're there. All right. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be kind, so, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James. Making sure I'm in the right place. Something's wrong. But, but here, let me just go back to this. He gave us birth. We've been made new. Let's focus on that. We've been made new, a new person in Christ. See, when we become Christians, there's a death, burial, and resurrection. And spiritually, we've experienced that. That's a reality. We're a new person now. And if you don't believe that you have been made new, if you don't believe that, you have, that, that Jesus Christ has set you free from the power of sin, you will have difficulty with temptation. Here's what we read in, in Romans. I keep... I keep going off here. Ah, okay. Therefore, are you doing this or am I doing this? You're doing this? Okay. All right. Good. I just need to know because one of us is not working out. Okay, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so you should obey its lust. Here's what it's telling us. Two big things. Sin can reign in your body, but only if you let it. You have to let it. It's a choice that you make. See, again, if you don't believe that you've been set free from the power of sin, you're going to have difficulty dealing with temptation. And here's what he says in verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. In other words, you don't have to be mastered by your desires anymore. So when James talks about don't be deceived, not only are we not to deceive ourselves and believe those things, we're not to be be deceived by our enemy. Because we've been talking about that for the past couple of weeks. Right? We have an enemy that's out to, to kill, steal, and destroy us, to bring about death. And guess how he does that? Through lies, through deceptions. <coughs> Forgetting us to believe a lie. In John chapter 8, Jesus calls him the father of lies. Whenever he speaks, he speaks liar. That's just his native language. Liar. And what happens if we don't recognize the lie? If we don't recognize that we have an enemy who's come to lie to us? What we'll try to do, now y'all listen, this is very important because this is where our culture is at. If we don't believe that there's a liar pushing lies, we'll try and answer our issues through natural resources, natural means, or through scientific means or something like that. That's what we do. So here's here's what we say. We say poverty, that's an education problem. Violence, that's a gun control problem. Depression, that's a psychological problem. And we'll begin to believe that through social economic equality or through political form or social reform or medical advancements that we can solve our issues. Now, I'm not saying that stuff, those things are bad. I'm just saying that if you look for those things to solve your issues, you're looking in the wrong place. Truth is what destroys lies. Not our own self-effort. It's truth. Because isn't it true that if if we could, by social reform and political reform and things like that, if we could solve issues, racism wouldn't be a problem right now. 
Because we passed all the laws, we've done everything to, to solve the issue. But it's not solved. Why? Because there's lies, there's hatred in people's hearts. And until you deal with the lies that they're believing, you can have all the reforms you want. You have to deal with the lies that people are believing. If you want to deal with the real issues. So the issue has to be truth. Now we've been over this before, this part, I, I hope you remember Let's put on this side of a scale, 0% truth, total lie. It's all lie, nothing but lie. And let's put over here, 100% truth. Now over here, this is God. Isaiah says he's the God of all truth. Titus says God cannot lie. So this is God over here, 100% truth. On the other end here, this is where Satan starts at. He starts out with a lie. Now in between we have... Let's say right here we have 20% truth. Are you okay with living your life based on 20% truth? Is that okay with you? Or you feel good about that? Let's go to 40% truth. How about that? How about 51% truth? Because that's more truth than lie. What about 70% truth? 80% truth? 99% truth? Are you okay if I gave you a glass of water right now with just one drop of poison in it? Would that be okay with you? No, it's until we get to 100% truth. It has to be God's truth. What God says and who God is, that's truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Until we get here, we don't have truth. But here's the thing that happens. Satan comes and tempts us. He deceives us with lies. And, and where do you think he gives us those lies at? Uh, 0% truth? No, we wouldn't fall for that. He comes over here to, to 70 or 80% truth. Let me give you an example. Satan doesn't come to us and say, just murder everybody. Just kill anybody you can anytime you want to. Just take your gun out and shoot them or your bow and arrow. Whatever you want to do. Set a trap for them. Just kill people. He doesn't say that. But he'll walk us over here and he'll say, you know, if she's 14 years old, pregnant, broken home, you know, not good support at home at all, baby maybe malformed some or something like that, now, there's 80% truth, maybe 90% truth in all that stuff. But if you buy into that with just 10% lie, what happens? A baby gets killed. A baby gets murdered. There's death that takes place. Satan doesn't come over here and say, just go ahead and have sex with everybody you can, anytime you want to. Rape them if you have to. Just Anytime you want sex, just have sex. Just, just make it happen. He doesn't say that. We wouldn't buy into that. But he comes over here and says, oh. So the man comes home late at night from work. He's had a long day. He's stressed. Wife is in the bed. He gets on the computer and checks his email and thinks, why don't I just look at something sexy? After all, I'm kind of stressed. My wife's probably not interested in any way. Well, there's truth there. He may be stressed. Wife not may, may not be interested. But if he buys into that, all of a sudden, he becomes an addict. And destruction takes place. Satan doesn't come over here and say, you find anybody who's different from you, looks different from you, comes from a different culture from you, you just hate them and you do anything you can to get rid of them. He doesn't say that. But he comes over here and says, oh... There's someone from a different race who looks a little different color from you or maybe have same color skin but comes from a different part of the world from you and, and they're acting a little bit weird, maybe a little bit different perverse. Go ahead and stereotype them. 
Just make that the way everybody acts from that culture who looks like that. And find other people who reinforce the way that you feel. And he does that. And what do you wind up with? Hate. What can I do to get rid of this? What, and you wind up with the situation we have today. Satan will work you on down. He doesn't say to the, to the young girl, go ahead and marry an atheist. It's okay. You know, yes, it's going to destroy your, your marriage and, and it's, your kids are going to wind up being raised not to believe it. He doesn't say that. He just comes over here and says, Oh, young lady, you haven't had a date in a while. There's a guy who's willing to give you a date. And yeah, he may not be a Christian, but it's just a date. And where does that wind up? I'm marrying him. See, what he does is he will give you 89% truth. Then he'll work you on down. And you, you wind up living a life and believing a lie that destroys your life. What, how did it start with Adam and Eve? Simple. Did God say this? Just a question. 90% truth. Is that what God really said? And what happened to Adam and Eve? Just shortly, Eve began believing that she could be like God, that she could be a God to herself. A ridiculous lie. But I watch people, they buy into things when it's 89% truth, and you watch them as they get along in life, they start living their life based on that lie. And they start, boy, they just get messed up. They start believing all sorts of stuff. That's what happens. That's where our culture is at. Some people will say, God doesn't care about me. Or he wouldn't have let this happen. What's the truth? The truth is, God loves you with an unmatchable, unfathomable type of love. He proved it on the cross how much he loves you. People will say, I'm messed up. There's no hope for me. The truth is, God can redeem anything. People will say, Man, I messed up. I got sin. I've got all this guilt. The proof is God can forgive all your sins. That's the truth. So how, how do we deal with this? What do we do? How do we keep from believing the lie? Because here's what you've got to understand. It's not enough just to say no. To say no to temptation. Because here's what will happen. Seen this enough? Again, I'm not that smart. I just see this stuff over and over and over again. A person will come in and they'll say, no, I'm being tempted. I'm not going to give in to that temptation. They'll tell other people, I'm not going to give in to that temptation. Then they'll go out and they'll give in to that temptation. Because just saying no to it is not enough. Never has been, never will be enough. The first thing you have to do is to be able to say that yes to God. What do I mean by that? To say, God, you're enough for me. God, you're everything I need. God, you're a loving Father. You provided a home for me. You've got a future for me. Let me try and explain this in a way that, that may make it a little bit easier to understand. The if and the when, if and when, doesn't hold a candle to the here and now. The if and when, if I do this, then this. When I do this, then that will happen. See, if, if I leave my home, and go to the far country, life will be great. When my father gives me my inheritance, then I'll have it made for the rest of my life. See, the if and the when doesn't hold account to the here and the now. 
See, what if the prodigal son would have said, oh, man, I think I want to get my inheritance, go out to the far country and leave my father. What if he just said when that first thought came to him, said, no, but I've got a loving father. I've got a father who even if I go off to the far country, he's going to welcome me back home. Why well, I don't want to leave that. I've got it made here. I've got, I've got a loving father. I've got a home. I've, I've got a future for me. Why well, I don't want to leave that. See, the if and the when doesn't hold account to the here and the now. Here's the way James puts it in verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Let me ask you a question. Adam and Eve in the garden. The serpent comes to her and deceives her, tells her a lie. How was she supposed to know that the serpent was lying? She'd never heard a lie before. She'd never been deceived before. How was she supposed to know? And then she comes and gives her fruit to Adam and says, Adam, eat. How is Adam supposed to know that Eve was untrustworthy? She'd never been untrustworthy before, but God held them both accountable just the same. Why? Because they should have known everything good comes from the Father. They should have known that when they have him, they have it all. Why would they want to go after something else when they have him? Here's the way it's put from David's point of view. Nathan replied to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I rescued you from Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that was not enough, I would have given you even more. In other words, why would you want to go after baited hooks? When you have everything that you could want through me in my hands, why would you want to do that? That's what James is saying. You're a fool to go after baited hooks when God gives you every good thing. This is the way David put it in this psalm. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God, the small g God, for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. He's saying, look, I will not even speak a name of another God. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to go after something that promised me to do for me what only God can give me? Why would I want to be deceived and believe the lie? And go after that. Why would I? I won't even speak their names. In other words, I'm not going to allow time and opportunity to mate with temptation. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to get close to that? Listen to how he says why. Lord, you are my portion, my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I will always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Why would I want to go after the if and when when I have the here and now? That's what he's saying. Why would I want to do that? The enemy is after all of us with lies, with deceptions, and there's enough of us deceiving our own selves. 
But we realize what we have in God? What if the, what if the, the prodigal son had said, you know, why would I want to go away to the far country? I have a father who loves me. I have a home where I belong. I have a solid future for me. Why would I want to do that? What if he just said that to himself? Do y'all remember a few years ago when that bridge of Minneapolis-St. Paul, when that bridge collapsed? Do y'all remember why it collapsed? Just rust. Rust in time. You see, back here, it was just something that just seemed so small, so manageable. But what happened? It grew. And, you know, it took time to germinate, and it grew. And years and years and years and years and years and years passed. Then it came over here, and what do you have? Total collapse, death. See, that's the picture of what some of you are going through right now. Right now, you're rusting. You're right here in this process. You're rusting a little bit. It's time to realize that the here and now is so much better than the if and the when and to come back to God. Some of you, you've experienced collapse. You've experienced total collapse in your life. But we have a God who loves us, who's ready to throw a party for us when we get back home. That doesn't mean there won't be consequences, but he'll he'll walk with you through those consequences. And bring you back to where you're so in love with the here and the now, what you have with the Father. Some of the most exciting people for me to be around are those people who in their lives have experienced that collapse. And then they come back. And not just, there's some people who can do a fake comeback, you know. They're just trying to manage the stuff. They can just start to manage it better now and things like that. But people who really come back with all their hearts and come back and realize what they have with the Father, oh, that's so sweet because they're totally engulfed with the here and the now. Their life is all about the God who loves them, the God who accepts them, the God who's provided a home for them, the God who has given so much grace that even when I run away, He's ready to welcome me back. And they're overwhelmed by that. They're overwhelmed by that grace. The people who's difficult to be around are the ones who think, I'm better than the homeless. I'm better than the addict. I'm better than the convict. I'm better than the divorced person. I'm better because I haven't done any of those things. Oh, but you don't realize... Really, you're just a couple decisions away from disaster. And in reality, that's probably already going on in your heart right now. Because you've allowed bitterness and hatred to come in. And it's began with that little seed and, and that bitterness and hatred that you have toward maybe yourself, maybe other people. It's going to grow. Because, see, that's what happens when time and opportunity and temptation meets. It creates a sin baby. And that sin baby grows up to produce death. So, if you feel the pull away from what's good, away from what's right, away from your Heavenly Father. I'm just saying, please go back to what you have in the here and now. Don't be caught up in the if and the when. Because you think you can manage it? You think it's okay? It's not. James tells it to us like it is. Whenever time and opportunity made with temptation, he tells us, look, it's going to germinate and it's going to produce something in you and that's where it's going to wind up. You ask God for wisdom for you to to step back and get the full picture of the beginning and the consequences at the end. That's asking for wisdom. God, show me where this is going. 
Show me with this little, with this little sin baby where it's going to grow up and what it's going to produce. And then you walk back in and say, God, I don't want that. With all my heart, I'm coming after you. I want to be home with you. And I want to believe. In fact, I don't believe. I just, as Paul says, know this. Know. Know this, that God has destroyed the power of sin in your life. The only way that sin can reign in your life is if you, what's those words? Let it. Let it. And why would you want to do that when you can have the Heavenly Father? Oh. That's what he calls us for. I just, um, uh, a couple of days ago, we were just sitting in the, our little sunroom chair out there, just, just listening to, to music, just worshiping. You know, I think, oh, God, you're just so good. You blessed, and you blessed, and you blessed. And, and, and one of the, uh, the sweetest times that I have is, is home to visit my brother because he's many of you know he's got brain cancer and doesn't have long to live is that it always God's so good God's so good God's so good and, and that's his heart and, and I just see the, the simple purity of that I go oh yes you know you're okay you're okay because that's what it, it's hard to go between pastor and brother mode you know am I just a big brother because my, my, there are some times my brother wasn't nice to me as a kid. He's four years older than I am. You know what I remember him doing? In the backyard, getting on top of me, putting his, his knees on my shoulders so I can't move my hands. So he's, he's sitting over me with knees on my shoulders, and he's, he's letting the spit kind of just... And he gets down about that, and he'll suck it back up. And suck it back up. Sun starts falling, and sometimes he wouldn't catch it in time. So I told him, now my dreams have come true. You can't do anything about it. Because see, up until a few years ago, or well, a few years ago, about a year ago, my brother, he's always worked out. He's always been upper body strong. And so, yeah, he's, a, he's shorter than I am, but a big guy. But now... Now, he can't move his body. So I, got, so I said, okay, my dreams come true. I can get you back now. So he's on the lay on the bed. And so I'll come from behind the bed, and I'll lean over from the little medical bed. And I'll lean over and go, okay, you ready for this? <laughs> he's smiling. He's laughing. But the sweet thing is, is that he knows. He knows God's good, regardless of what goes on. Why would you want to leave that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If God saves us, great. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to serve you. Why? Because why would we want to leave the here and the now? Why would we want to leave what we have in God? And so some of you, you need to decide that what you have or what you need to have is that relationship with God. And you can do that. You can do that right now. you got rust building up. You can run back to God. You're over here. You had total collapse. You can run back to God. He's a God who will say, you want to come back? I'm great. Yes, you may still have some consequences, but I'll help walk with you through those. To walk back to the here and now. And if you want to deal with temptation, you want to defeat it, <laughs> because all around our culture, there's lies everywhere, right? 
Those lies, sometimes we're going to deceive ourselves if we're not bad enough to think of ourselves. Then we have an enemy. And they're there. I see them all the time. I see them in Christians' lives. Well, maybe my husband doesn't love me. Maybe we need to get a divorce. You know, no, that's a lie. Don't go there. Our marriage is over. No. A lot of truth to that. Their marriage is in trouble. It's difficult, but it doesn't have to be over. That's a lie. So, I'm dragging this out a lot further than I need to. All right, so here we're stopping right now, okay? You're ready to give your life to Christ, to discover what the here and now is all about? You can do that. You can discover a father who loves you, a father who has a plan for your life, a wonderful home, and a great future for you. You want that? You can have that. You run away from that, you can come back to it. There. That's as simple as I can put it. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.